Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about two Arnold Schwarzenegger classics from the 1980s. This was requested by a friend of mine, Elle, who listens to the podcast. This will make a change, she said, from all of Jose's gay films. Let's watch Commando and Predator. And I've got to say, for a gay man, I think there's a lot to enjoy in these. Well, I mean, little does your friend know, but, (laughs) you know, I edited a book on action cinema, and it was partly because of my interest in Arnold Schwarzenegger films, yeah? I mean, I think he, he is a kind of a landmark figure, obviously, in 80s cinema, in representations of the body and how they changed, you know, in, in sci-fi. Actually, there's, you know, I have a whole history with them because, you know, there was a moment where Warwick, I was, touch, I was teaching the uh, Hollywood cinema module and I had put a picture of Schwarzenegger in the cover sheet of the, of the module and mm. the psychology department... I've I've since been made to understand that the psychology department, you know, was so um, upset by it. They thought that it was just so trivial and stupid and trash that they forbade their students to take that module as an option later on. And yet, you know, films (laughs) like The Terminator and so on are, you know, amongst the most significant achievements of that decade. So there you go, your friend... (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely well um, part of her interest as well was the fact that I said I hadn't seen them Mm. I only saw the Terminator the first one um, for the first time three or four months ago Mm. I'd seen the second one a lot um, but I hadn't seen that until recently I hadn't seen Commando at all I hadn't seen Predator at all I've not seen Conan his other films from the 80s so although I'm very aware of Schwarzenegger as as a, a star and a persona and all that kind of thing um, hadn't actually seen a lot of his work. Right. So it was interesting to me. Well, these are the films that kind of made his career, made him a significant figure because, you know, the thing is that in the 70s, his body was so strange. You know, I forget who called him, mm. you know, uh, like a, a condom stuffed with walnuts, right? Uh, 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 the body was just so bizarre in that decade that he required special casting. So... You know, in Stay Hungry, where he has a small role, uh, you know, he was a bodybuilder. Yeah. And then, of course, Pumping Iron, which was a, a, a big hit as a documentary, was all about him pumping iron. Um, or it was about the Minister Universe contest and so on. So and then, of course, the Conan films. Yeah. Are again, you know, it was like, OK, he fit into that world because it was a world of fantasy and witchcraft and comic books, right? So, you know, the genre could accommodate that body. But I think there was a real sense that he couldn't be otherwise cast. I mean, you know, the accent was so bizarre. The body was then so strange, right? That actually these small budget, uh, almost no frills action films, yeah, are what demonstrated that A, there was a market for these films and that, you know, Schwarzenegger was a big star. Right, so you know, Conan was stunt casting in a way, yeah. Okay, you know, Conan the Barbarian, and of course, the Terminator is a kind of stunt casting. So you could cast him as an alien and a robot, you know, and you could certainly yeah. kind of, you know, cast him as a mythological figure from comic books. 
you know, but who, could he play an ordinary person? I mean, he's never ordinary Schwarzenegger, but, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think these action films are the ones where, you know, he began to be cast in those ways as a soldier, as a general, you know, uh, and... Yeah, they're at least casting him as human in these. Yes, But in exactly. these, he plays a human being, although he is still a kind of a G.I. Joe, like, action figure. You know, he's, yes. not, he's still not a human human, but at least he's not a robot or a god this time. Well, the, you know, the films are not meant to be realistic, right? I no. mean, I think, you know, Commando is so much fun. I mean, you said yesterday, which I think is, you know, a wonderful description, is like meathead movies, right? Or movies for meatheads. I forget what you said. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, said, I, I just started watching it and I texted you about 10, 15 minutes in and said, this is the most meatheaded film I think I've seen in my life. And I've yes. seen quite a few, but like this was just, uh, I knew of the 80s meat-headed thing. And it's not just Schwarzenegger, it's Stallone as well, and Dolph Lundgren and people like that. But, but it's yes. like, this is, it's, Commando really, uh, it's really concisely meat-headed, you know? Yeah. Well, you see, I was very interested in these films because, you know, they were low-budget films. I think Commando was $9 million, right? Uh, and they were big hits. I mean, I think Commando grossed 54 and then they doubled the budget for Predator, and they also doubled the gross, right? Let me just so, quickly get the stats up for you. I'm just getting them. Commando cost $9 million, as you say, and made 57 and a half in 1985. Predator in 87 cost between 15 and $18 million and made almost 100 Right. So it demonstrated that there was a market. And actually, I thought the films were overly sneered at, you know, because obviously Terminator is a great film, I think uh, uh, Conan, the first one, is 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 really kind of gobsmacking. It's got all this Nietzschean philosophy, and you know, it's it's, it's almost like fascistic, <laughs> or maybe not even almost, right? But you know, but they're they're very intriguing films. And then these low budget actioners, you know, I thought they provided, you know, what they what was in the package, right? You know, they're really fun to watch. They're they're almost cartoony. You know, they're slightly mm -hmm. ridiculous. They're full of one-liners that make you aware, hey, this is a movie all the time, right? You know, so, I mean, it's not art. It's not trying to be art, but they're quite fun. The first one was definitely fun. Commando, I had a really good time. I Initially, I started off having not a very good time with, and I, and I was texting Elle, who told me mm -hmm. to watch it, saying, how dare you? Well, what, could, what have you done to me? This is awful. And then I started to get into its swing of things and I started to understand actually that it was it had a sense of humour you know and it makes lots of good jokes it has lots of good lines and the reason to watch it is not 100% ironic I think there's an element of that Arnold Schwarzenegger can't really act at this point in his career maybe he never could but he really can't in Commando but actually there are lots of decent jokes in it and and some quite creative uh, and well put together action that I enjoyed so I got into the swing of things Predator on the other hand didn't have a very good time with. I just thought it was actually it took itself too seriously, wasn't scary enough, and was kind of, well, I suppose I say again, too meat-headed, but not in a fun way this time. It's interesting, because I thought uh, Predator was the better film, hmm. in my view, but I had less of a good time in it, yeah, or yeah. with it, yeah. Yeah, that's so, a fair way of putting it, yeah. I mean, one of the things that surprised me you know, because I saw all of these films when they came out. And one of the things that surprised me that I didn't appreciate at the time was, you know, how young 
and good-looking and appealing Schwarzenegger is. Mm. Yeah, I mean, kind of, you're now used to seeing him, obviously, as, a, as an old man, right? Um, and, you know, he is filmed like a movie star, right? Like, you know, you see his mm. skin and his blue eyes and, you know, they display his body, like the scene where, you know, he takes, I don't know what it is, a boat up the beach or something, and it really is only there, you know, for you to see his body, really. You know? When he's got his top off. Yeah. Was that on the seaplane? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He takes a dinghy up and, yeah. Yeah. So and he's just you know, in his trunks. And, and actually, that in itself is very interesting, you know, because these films were all aimed at men. So this mm. was like, this was like the first, not maybe not the first, I don't know about first, but certainly it made me aware that men were checking, heterosexual men were checking each other out. Yeah, right. you know, the whole, the whole bodybuilding craze, you know, was well underway. And it was like, ooh, you know, how big is he? And, you know, how big can I get? It was all about bigness, right? So, I mean, mm. you know, he's not filmed to elicit desire, but actually his film is put on display. And I think it, it is, you know, as a way for men to measure bigness or to appreciate bigness or, yeah, like, yeah, big muscles. You have lots of close-ups of his muscles and so on, right? Yeah, and he's um, always glistening. So. He's covered in sweat or water or something, and, they, and he really shines, literally, on screen. Yes. He pops. And, the, and that moment where he, he rose that dinghy, there's a, there's a shot from him kind of filmed from below, making him look powerful up on his torso. And he's, mm. um, and he's tensing his pecs. Yeah. And it's like, that's just not realistic, right? He's doing it, it's, it's just a thing to show off with. It's like, yes. I, I also noticed the moment in uh, Predator where Carl Weathers uh, has his top open and yes. he's kind of by a tree panting and he's um, sucking his stomach in and putting it out. And it's like, yes. that's not how you breathe. But it's yes. just showing off movement of musculature. Yeah. Though, you know, when you're talking about Schwarzenegger not being very good, I actually think he is very good, you know? I mean, he's not good as an actor in the sense of inhibiting character, mm. but he's very good as a showman, right? Mm. So, you know, every, every, you know, he has these glances and these looks that are almost like a punctuation mark to a joke or they're an effect or, you know, he's very yeah. good at, at creating all of those things, which somebody like Carl Weathers, for example, is not. No, absolutely. You know? Well, what, well I, I think what I said was he can't really act as opposed mm. to he's not very good. And they are two different things. Yes. You know, and, and, it's, and it's true that at this point in his career, he's not inhabiting a character, as you say, um, but, but he does know how to show off. And yeah. put those put those comic moments on, and like there's a bit in the car in Commando where the girl um, she lists off this whole like five minute long thing of this is what's happened, and then you punched this guy, and then you shot this guy, and then you pick me up with you, and you're kidnapping me, and what the hell's going on? Are you going to explain it to me? And he goes, no, no, <laughs> great, <laughs> yeah, and he delivers it well. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of and that. his timing is great. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, you know, that is one of the things that he would become famous for, and actually, I think. You know, what people forget is in this, well, this, the, these films started off a whole vogue for similar types of films. You know, there was a period in which these Schwarzenegger actioners intersected with, you know, uh, what Stallone was doing, which at that time was at a much higher level. It was more, much more expensive films and so on, right? Uh, but also it kind of, it, you know, it led to Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal and Dolph Lundgren, as you said, right? You know, which were much, much, much cheaper, 
yeah, yeah. kind of usually a much worse made, right? So I think, you know, in, in this landscape, these films stand out as, you know, good journeyman actioners, yeah. Yeah. Did you, so you say you had a worse time with Predator than you did with Commando. And I think we've yeah. both established that Commando is good fun. Yes. Um, but Predator is seen kind of exclusively, seen by everyone as the better film. Yes, it um, is. I think it is. I mean, I, c- I would have to say I think it is too, but, I, but I, I, c- I can't reconcile it with the fact that I had a less good time. And the, and the well, fact that I had a good time in Commando was not constituent on the fact that it is not very good. Because it's not not very good. It's all right. I just think it, it maybe it suits my, my uh, sensibility better. Yes, I think so. I mean, you know, the film was obviously very well liked and it was well liked enough to lead to a sequel. I think John McTiernan is a better director than, I forget who directed Commando. Um, Commando, uh, Mark L. Lester. There are images in Commando that are very striking and that are thought through, you know, um, in the jungle and the uses of the jungle and so on. Um, There are kind of some nice compositions with the alien. Of course, part of the problem of seeing it now is that the special effects are so basic. (laughs) If one wants to be generous about it. (laughs) Yeah, you could say that. Although, actually, I I actually quite enjoyed um, all all the bits where the alien was invisible. And you kind of look through him with that kind of shimmery, like looking through glass effect. Yes. I mean, you know, it obviously looks kind of cheap these days and it could be done better. But actually, I rather liked it. And I thought it was quite effective. And I could see at the time, I could see how it would work on a big screen. Yeah. You know. Well, those were not the bits that bothered me most. But the bits from his point of view, where it was like a oh, the cartoon. F- the thermal imaging. Well, yeah, his vision. When you cut to the alien's vision on things, yeah. and really kind of what you get is cartoons really badly drawn cartoons. (laughs) You know, I thought that was like a spoiler film for me. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Although again, I could see how that would work in, you know, on the big screen as well. Cause it's still, it does, it does have that feel of like I was saying to you on, on, uh, I sent you a message saying like, I can feel it, man. It's hiding in them trees, you know? And then, and when you don't know, obviously I know what the predator looks like. It's quite a famous creature and it's got a huge franchise built around it. So it wasn't a surprise when it showed up, but still that feeling of not knowing what it would be. Um, you know, the, the characters don't know what's, what's stalking mm. them. And you just see this, this imagery that looks weird and what he's seeing. And, you know, I think it was quite fairly effective. Yes. I mean, I think it's an interesting, you know, period in uh, Schwarzenegger's film and one which, you know, he won't really return to, yeah? You know, because, so this is a moment of transition between the Conan films, fantasy, you know, and the sci-fi um, Terminator. Uh, films. Yeah, Terminator. And also, what's the other one that he did in Mars? You know, Oh, uh, Total Recall. Total Recall, which is great, I think. Yeah. You know, so... Um, he did The Running Man then, as well in 87, which is a sci-fi That's well. right. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I think those are all significant films. And then, you know, he'd broach uh, 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 and do comedy. He'd kind of expand and do, and do comedy. And, you know, all of those things are kind of very interesting uses of a persona. But what is very interesting about all these early films is that he creates spaces for... They're very heterogeneous, right? Maybe because he's so foreign, he makes spaces for people who 
didn't usually get represented in American cinema. So, you know, you have a lot of blacks and Latinos and native peoples in his in these films, yeah? Mm. Which is very yeah. interesting, you know? Um, yeah, paired up with a black woman in Commando and in Predator, his team is composed of Carl Weathers, is a black person, there's another black man, there's, uh, as you say, native American, yeah. and there's a Spanish girl they pick up, a Hispanic yes. girl. Yeah. So, so I think all of those things are interesting. I mean, I don't want to make any great film. You know, the only thing I ever claimed for these films anyway was that they were fun, you know, <laughs> and they were cartoony. And, of course, there are questions about, you know, is it better to depict violence in this cartoony, ironic way? You know, does it trivialize it and so on? Um, but, you know, I think certainly at the time I enjoyed it very much and maybe I haven't developed very much as a person because, you know, Commando, which is, is not a very good film, was still great fun for those ways, right? Like, hmm. you know, so, uh, you know, there's 20 men around him and he lifts his arms and they all... Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, you could see that in a comic book, but, you know, yeah. you'd never seen it in an action film before. It's so stupid. <laughs> You know, that's fun. one of the clips that I picked up on. That's one of the clips I put on Facebook. This is so yeah. silly. You yeah, know. but fun, you know. Yeah, it is. Like, you don't mind that it's not real, right? It's almost like <laughs> you can't believe what's happening. And I think that that's also a characteristic. I mean, he did that other film, True Lies, right? There's the scene in True Lies where he goes with the horse up the lift, right? And then gets to the roof, you know? And then he sees that the villain is on the rooftop swimming pool of another building. And, and, he, and he, he goes with the horse, <laughs> right? He gets okay. the horse, <laughs> yeah? I mean, it's unbelievable, you know? And so funny. And like, you know, you think, no, that's not going to happen. It's impossible, it can't, you know? And then they do a twist on it, right? Which is brilliant, it's just fun. You know, though you, you know, I mean, True Lies is very kind of, you know, anti-Middle Eastern people, I suppose, you know, kind of. There was a period where those were all the villains in American cinema. But, uh, so the films are full of interest, I suppose, is what I'm saying. It's interesting what you say about about his nationality having a bearing on kind of the people around him, that sort of thing, because um, when I was watching Commando, the, the film starts off with um, a character who, an actor who you, who you don't particularly know, he's not the star, he's killing people and, and it's setting up this Bill mystery. Bill Duke, isn't it? It's Bill is Duke. It? I think so, who also appears, I mean, we might check that, but I think he also appears in Terminator, and I think he's brilliant. Yes, I will double-check. Um, Bill Duke is cook in uh, Commando, so he's the one. And yeah. um, and in Predator, he's Sergeant Mack. Yeah. He's great, he's actually quite empathetic, isn't he? He's wonderful. When he dies. Um, so Commando starts off with him killing a load of people, and you don't really know why. And it's quite violent in the rest. And very cartoony. And then when Schwarzenegger is introduced, you go to this bucolic uh, kind of lodge in the mountains. It's absolutely beautiful up there. He's living with this with this nine-year-old girl who is his daughter, luckily, um, who's a kind of blonde-haired, like everything you hate about the way America casts children. You know, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Aryan. And there's romantic music going on. And he's they're, they're hand-feeding a wild deer. And it's just, it's nuts. It's like, it's a, it's a parody and it made me think of the uh, Rambo film we saw not long ago, Last Blood, I think it was the um, the one where it kind of it's, it looks like it's trying to wrap up the Rambo story or whatever. And we talked about how that film had kind of ranch in the middle of nowhere, 
Uh, he's kind of taming horses. He's got a young girl with him. He's doing who he takes care of. And it's and it's a kind of it's American myth making that yes. one. And so I was looking at this and I was kind of thinking about the similarities because one thing that happens in Commando is very very early on, like basically Schwarzenegger's first meaningful line of dialogue is about uh, coming from East Germany. And yes. how, I can't remember what the line is exactly, but it's to do with this happened in East Germany and it's different here in America. And there's a kind of, there's a negotiating immediately around his accent and style. Because yes. they have and to kind of... he's called Dutch and Predator, isn't he, as well? He's called so. Dutch and Predator, although they don't do the whole, oh, and here's why he has an accent, it's just called Dutch and you live with it. No. Um, so I kind of thought, is because we spoke about that kind of setup in Rambo being about American myth making, I think I said this is where all Americans believe they'll go when they die. Mm. Um, you know, having Schwarzenegger start off in a similar place in uh, Commando, and then he gets back there afterwards, obviously after killing everyone and rescuing his daughter, and that's the whole kind of. And then he also ends up with a new girlfriend as well and a mother figure. It go it heads in that same direction, I think, as the Rambo film did. I mean, the thing about American culture uh, is that it's very welcoming. You know, kind of all all you need to become an American is to get your citizenship and then people have different accents and, you know, but there's mm. no questioning of you as, you know, as an American. So, uh, you know, and I think kind of Schwarzenegger is proof of that. I mean, he's not the only one, though. I think, you know, you had people like Garbo and Ingrid Bergman, they all had accents. Though I suppose if you're a movie star, accents don't matter right? like it's, yeah. it's your accent uh, whatever it is and you can play anything but nonetheless there is something kind of very interesting about you know somebody who whose Austrianness was very much a part of what people knew about him you know being so easily integrated into you know American popular culture yeah and not only that but he became the governor of California like yes. that's kind of, he kind of got extra American because he got yes. involved in the politics to that level as well, and started representing Americans. Like that's yes. a, that's on a that's on a different scale to just well, getting your citizenship. I think the only thing you're prevented from doing by not be if you if you're not born in America, you can't be president. Everything yeah. else you're entitled to. Yeah, exactly. Like run, you know, for governor and so on, which is very different than I don't know Germany. You know, uh, I mean, um, yeah. I don't know what the rules are in different countries. To be fair. Well, I think there are several generations of Turks in Germany who can't get full German citizenship. So, you know. Oh, sure. Uh, I thought you were talking specifically about um, about running for politics, but no, you're right. Like that, that is more welcoming in America. You're right. The yeah, most other places. So, Once you're American, you're American. Right. At least on an official level. I mean, it could be different on on a, a kind of cultural level in how um, individuals might see you. But certainly on an on an official level, like you get your citizenship, and as you say, you are an American, and that's just the way it is. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, we're moving away from the films. Um, well, you know, but, culture, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, Ray Don Chong, who um, I, I haven't heard of pretty much since. She was quite famous then. She did have a vogue as an actress, uh, but it wasn't very long-lasting. And... You know, she's the damsel in distress in this, and she's a bit annoying, always screaming and, you know, not <laughs> bringing much variation to it, you know. Uh, but she also has a wonderful presence, like a, a kind of a warm presence, really. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I enjoyed kind of the shenanigans. I don't think she's got comic timing, and, you know, she. I think she and Schwarzenegger actually play off each other fairly well as well. Yes. So you said to me um, on a text that Arnold Schwarzenegger is your favourite 
of this period. So what puts yes. him above? What do you like about him more than Stallone? Well, because Schwarzenegger took more chances. Yeah, and he was mm. smarter about the choices that he made. And you see, I think it may be uh, Stallone is the person who first introduced that kind of bodybuilt body in the mainstream. But the thing about Schwarzenegger is he's smart or he comes across as intelligent. Uh, and also, he's very, I think he's very graceful. You know, one of the things about action stars is you've got to be believable in motion. Yeah, and I actually think that uh, uh, Schwarzenegger moves very beautifully. You know, he moves with grace, mm. you know. Uh, and he's got crack comic timing, which Stallone didn't have, you know. So, yeah. Do you also um, think it's just that the films were better? But the films are also better because he's in them. Sure. You know, so, yeah. I mean, he's, he's chosen to be those things, you know, by directors who want to kind of evoke and represent something. So you can ask, well, you know, why wasn't Van Damme chosen for films like that? Or why wasn't Steven Seagal chosen for films like that? Mm. You know, uh, or indeed, you know, why did a much, much bigger star at this period, which Stallone really was, you know, uh, you know, why didn't he get involved in interesting... He, well, he, he, he made, you know, sci-fi films later, yeah, like, you know, after kind of someone like Stallone had established the, the Vogue, you know. Mm. Um, he, he did one, Demolition Man, which I quite like. Um, but, you know, I think that was years after Terminator, yeah? There was a moment in um, Commando, right at the start, that I really didn't like, and this was actually... Schwarzenegger's first meaningful line of dialogue. It's where he sat at the table with his daughter and he's reading some magazine. I think it must be one of her magazines. And he says, why don't they just call him Girl George? It would stop all the confusion. Yeah, he's not reading... It's not one of his magazines. It's, it's the famous Cream. You know, it was a famous music magazine. So it's his daughter's magazine. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts off with this kind of homophobic joke and that's par for the course in the day, I suppose. Um, and then a little bit later on, uh, when they're fighting in the motel room, yeah. uh, they bust through into next door because they're so big and they can break through walls. And next door, there's a girl uh, pegging a guy uh, with a dildo, shagging him from behind. Which again is like it's straight sex, but it's a kind of gay form of straight sex that they bust mm -hmm. in on. It's, it, there's there's something kind of uncomfortable about that, I think. Well, um, you know, I mean, that was the period. You know, it's the the homophobia is very casual. It but is. also, you know, very potent, you know, and it's a sign of how times have changed. They would never do anything like that now. But then it was a given. But I also think, you know, I want to underline that these are, to me, films for a heterosexual male audience. They're, I mean, you know, gay men like myself like them and, you know, women might like them or whatever. But I think its intended audience is really a heterosexual male one and actually you can see that very much in Predator well this is what I was going to go on to because one of the maybe central differences between Commando and Predator is that in Commando he's really on his own he teams up with this woman but really yeah. he's on his own and in Predator they are a team together and they're getting picked off so they start off as a, as a group um, with kind of camaraderie and when he sees Carl Weathers for the first time in that hut at the start 
Um, you know, he greets him as an old friend and they share some banter and they have this arm wrestle and and the shot is it's an iconic shot of their two arms uh yeah, yeah. You know, their fists gripping and the and the muscle is so huge. Um and in that there's a kind of um well, I think as you implied earlier, homoeroticism in that. Well, not for me. No, I, I don't agree actually. I think again it's one of those things signifying power. You know, that okay. other heterosexual men kind of check out. You know, so and the whole film is like that, really. You know, so you're saying, oh, you know, in Predator it starts off as a group, yeah, but they get picked off one by one until only he remains, right? So it really is about this Nietzschean Superman, you know, it's the kind of the, you know, uh, yeah, or a sure. Darwinian survival of the fittest. And then what happens, like, you know, because we're told that the Predator doesn't kill people without weapons because he likes the sport. So actually, the final face-off, which lasts, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes? It's, mm. a long, it's a long chunk of the film where they face off. It's really a macho thing. It's like, who's stronger, who's smarter? Yeah, it's a competition about who's the bigger man, really. Yeah. Yeah? And actually, you could think that, you know, sci-fi normally, you know, has opened up spaces for many different types of sexuality and ways of being and, you know, the left hand of God and things like that. This is really straight out machismo that the film has, which actually maybe is a why I also find it, you know, even less uh, entertaining. Yeah, it is kind of, it's a very rigid notion of what it is to be a man. Yeah, well, I think that's... It's that's inherent in that standoff. I think that's what I should have said, or that's kind of where I should have gone, because I think you're right, like, uh, to describe it as homoerotic is not quite right, but but it is about, it is about, as you say, for a straight male audience appreciating another man's body. Yes. Yeah, you know, and the power of it. And there's an element of I wish I could be that. You know, yes, they are exactly. like, the perfect man sort of thing. Yeah, they're aspirational um, bodies. They're not necessarily bodies to desire. Yeah, they're bodies to aspire to. A line for the ages. Thank you. <laughs> You're full of them. <laughs> Well, great. Um, anything else on your mind? No, I kind of, uh, uh, you know, I was glad to revisit them, you know. And actually, sorry, there is one last thing on my mind, actually. You know, so I remember as a kid growing up in the 70s, and let's say, you know, when I was 16 or whatever, and you're reading about these great classics of American cinema, really, and they were 30s, 40s, 50s, right, i.e., you know, from 40 to 20 years previous, right? Kind of, Commando is now what? 35 years old. Yep. And we're still watching it, right? So even though yeah. it's not a very good film and so on, I mean, actually, you know, it, 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 it has to be considered a classic of a kind. Yeah, because if you think, how many films from the 19, 1985 are we actually watching? Probably not that many, you know. So it is kind of one of those that's still in circulation. Well, Back to the Future is one. Yeah, that would stand up. Everyone still watches that. Yes. Um, the highest grossing films that year. Let's see how many we still okay. watch. Back to the Future. Rambo First Blood Part 2. No. Rocky 4. Not really. The Colour Purple. Not, well, some people do, but not really. I, I would say not really. Uh, Out of Africa. No. Cocoon. No. The Jewel of the Nile. No. Well, actually, yes. 
that, that every time that plays on television, you have people starting to talk about it, right? It's very okay. enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, witness. No, I've seen all of these. And actually, I'm sure that somebody is watching them somewhere. Right. Yeah, but we're talking um, about popularly, like still in the, still in the blood flow. Of, they're know. not playing on television very often, are they? Right. The last and two are um, the Goonies and Spies Like Us. The Goonies, well, the Goonies has Goonies it still definitely. has a big cultural cachet. Yeah, the Goonies still. definitely. Spies Like Us. I don't even remember what that is. No, I've never seen it. Um, John Landis, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd. It's a comedy. That's why. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but this all actually just adds up yeah. to what I think, which is that the eighties is the shittest decade for cinema. Well, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, I think what's interesting is that, you know, kind of this is a film that continues to be seen where many don't. And the ones you mentioned, you know, they were the most successful of the era. But it would be interesting, you know, to go, you know, below the forties, yeah kind of, you know, and see what films crop up because, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of films made every year. Very That's few very continue true. to be watched 35 years later. Uh, I'll have a quick scan down the uh, alphabetical list, just quickly. I'll pick some out. Agnes of God. No, that's a Jane Fonda. I've seen that. That's Brazil, Terry Gilliam. Yes. That sticks out. Uh, the Breakfast Club. That, that scene, yeah. Clue, the um, no. mystery one there. People no. still think about it, but it's not like it's not like liked. It's just people still. I saw know that it. recently. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Which ending did you get? Oh, I can't remember. Day of the Dead, the third Romero zombie one. I imagine that that has a big audience. Yes, certainly in the in the horror fraternity, people. Yeah. Oh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. That's in there. Yes, that people see. Anyway, let's not go through the whole list. My my point is <laughs> just. That there are not many, you know, that it's it's a classic of a kind, right? 35 years later, people are still watching it, right? Which is significant. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Because, you know, the films that, that were being talked about from 1935, you know, in 1970 or from 1945 and 1980 were considered classics just by virtue of, you know, lasting, right? Now, you know, there may be other aesthetic criteria that they don't meet, but actually, lasting is in itself something worth noting. I'll mention two more. Weird Science, which is another John Hughes. Yes. Uh, and Shoah, the oh, yes, huge Holocaust. That was 1985. Yes. So. That's interesting, yes. I think that the reputation of that one has only increased over the years, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alrighty. I'm not watching that for this, though. No. Nine hours long. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it all. I saw it all at the cinema. I think over two go. nights. Oh, right. No, over two nights. But I think it was like four, four and a half hours each time. It was quite something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So um, let's wrap this up. I had, I had a reasonably good time watching. Well, actually, very good time watching Commando. Once I got into the swing of things, didn't really care for Predator. It it it, it matched more of what my expectations of films from this era and type are. Yeah. Um, but you know, not, no real sense of humour about itself, which is a bit of a killer for me. Like I do like films to be able to at least mock themselves when they're this silly, you know, uh, which Commando does. So I enjoyed it. I, you know, I had fun, uh, and it kind of evoked memories of you know watching them when they came out. So 
uh, you know, if you get a chance, you could do worse. They're not great films. You know, I think the most that could be said is that, you know, Commando is just like kind of fun, really, you know. Uh, mm. However, that said, they're worth watching if you're interested in questions of, you know, representation of masculinity in the films, of stardom, you know, of kind of all of the things that actually the figure of Schwarzenegger himself, you know, has has come to represent and how that's evolved over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube to listen to us. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much for listening. Get to the chopper! <laughs> <laughs>